You're listening to sermon audio from Ankeny Free Church in Ankeny, Iowa. We are a church on a mission to love God, love others, and make disciples in Jesus' name. To learn more, head over to ankenyfree.church. Well, my name is JD. I'm one of the pastors here. If no one's told you lately, uh, I sure love you. It's good to see you. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, as we're in the second week of our uh, Christmas series, What Child Is This? And that's the name of our series. That's the name of this morning's sermon. Um, and um, it's just good to be in God's house, and it's good to see you. You know, there are a lot of Christmas songs, aren't there? There's a lot of different types of Christmas songs. There's the normal types of Christmas songs that, you know, we, we sing all the time here at church. Um, maybe at your house you sing Christmas songs, Christmas Eve service. Uh, Christmas songs on the radio, the normal, you know, standard, you know, kind of kind of set of Christmas songs that that you hear and sing. And then there's like the really sad slash weird, maybe funny Christmas songs that exist. I don't know if you've heard some of these. Uh, here are a couple. This one's really really sad. So just be ready to be sad with me for a second. Johnny Cash is ringing the bells for Jim. Anybody ever heard that song? couple people heard that first service. It goes like this. Johnny Cash, ringing the bells for Jim. I'm just ringing the bells for Jim. Please, Father, ringing the bells for Jim. Sorry I'm crying, but my brother Jim's dying, so I'm ringing the bells for Jim. Don't you just want to cry? Like, what a sad song that is on Christmas time. Makes you, makes you want to be joyful and excited for Christmas morning. Here's another song, and I don't know why this song even exists. It's so sad. Do you understand? Like this song, Bob Carlyle's Christmas Shoes. You ever heard this song? So I hear some laughs, some moans and groans already. It, it goes like this. Sir, I want to buy these shoes for mama, please. It's Christmas Eve and these shoes are just her size. Could you hurry, sir? Daddy says there's not much time. You see, she's been sick for quite a while and I know these shoes would make her smile. And I want her to look beautiful if mama meets Jesus tonight. Why is this song so sad? You just want to go home and hug your kids, right? Like, what is going on? Who wrote this song? Well, Bob Carlyle did, but why? Another song. Now, this one's not so sad. It's just kind of weird, okay? It, it's like cr- cringe-worthy weird. Um, you've probably heard it. It's the title, um, I Caught Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. I mean, really? On Christmas, Mommy, really? We're kissing Santa Claus on Christmas Eve? The lyrics go like this. Then I saw Mommy tickle Santa Claus, tickle, tickle Santa Claus, underneath his beard so snowy white. I'm just crawling out of my skin already reading these lyrics. Oh, what a laugh it would have been if Daddy had only seen Mommy kissing Santa Claus last night. Would that have been funny if mommy was kissing Santa Claus? I think daddy and Santa Claus are outside fighting in the snow. That's what would have happened, a domestic dispute on Christmas Eve. That's what would have happened. How funny that would have been. And these aren't uh, weird. I think these are just funny now, uh, these two songs. I don't know if you've heard this one. It's Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. You ever heard this song? It goes like this. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve, you can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe, right? And have you heard the sequel to that song? 
It's lesser known, and this is the last one I'll give you. It's called Grandpa's Gonna Sue the Pants Off of Santa. You ever heard that song? It goes like this. Grandpa's gonna sue the pants off of Santa. That's what Grandpa's gonna do. Grandpa's gonna sue the pants off of Santa because Grandma would have wanted him to. Amen. Just put you in the Christmas spirit because Santa ran over Grandma, and so Grandpa's gonna sue him. Uh, I want to read one more Christmas song to you. The lyrics are um, in your bulletin this morning. And it's the Christmas song, What Child Is This? I'm going to read the whole song in its entirety. I'd encourage you to follow along in your bulletin if you have that. It goes like this. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and donkeys are feeding? Good Christians fear for sinners hear the silent word is pleading. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him loud, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Nails, spears shall pierce him through, the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise a song on high, the virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. Friends, I don't know if you know this about yourselves. I don't know if you know this truth, but your answer to the question, what child is this, is the most important thing about you. Your answer to the question, what child is this, determines your eternal destination. And as a child, I wasn't impressed with a Christmas song that asked a question I think everyone knew the answer to. What child is this? Everyone knows the answer to that question. It's Jesus. I know that. You know that. Even the kids know that. But what I didn't understand then that I feel like I understand now is that sometimes questions aren't just for solving problems or getting new information. Sometimes questions make a point. We call those rhetorical questions. Other times, the form of a question expresses awe or wonder about something we know to be true, but find almost too good to be true. For example, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples are sailing on the Sea of Galilee, and they find themselves in the middle of this horrible wind and thunderstorm. Jesus is asleep in the stern, and the Bible says that the wind and the seas were so great that the water was piling into the boat, and the boat was about to go under, and the disciples go into Jesus, who's asleep, and they wake him up, and Jesus comes out, and the Bible says that Jesus rebukes the wind, and he says to the sea, peace, be still, and the storm went away. The wind calmed, and so did the seas. And the disciples looked at each other as they watched this happen, and they go, who then 
is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now they knew that only God himself can still the sea, so this then somehow must be God. But it's just too wonderful to say. This new revelation of Jesus' glory was too stupendous, too amazing to keep quiet. It was too remarkable to, to not say it in some fresh and new way that God himself had become a man and was in the boat with them. Who then is this? It's in a similar vein that we say at Christmas time, what child is this? Let me know the answer. It's been plainly revealed. It's almost too wonderful to be true. Think about it. Don't let the, the normalness of Christmas make it too dull for you that God himself has come, become a man into this baby and, and has come to rescue humankind. The eternal word has become flesh and dwells among us. It is clear and it is certain. And we must say it straightforwardly with courage. And it is fitting, though at times, at Christmas time, we wonder, we marvel, we declare in awe, what child is this? Hopefully by now you've made it in your copy of God's Word, Philippians chapter 2. So we're reading just a handful of verses, then I have just three short points for us to walk through our passage together this morning. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. You can follow along or listen along as I read out loud. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. God's Word says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who then he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Bow with me as we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, pray that you would help me now speak your word faithfully and fruitfully. I pray that these dear people, by the work of your Holy Spirit and by your grace, would hear a better sermon than I'm about to preach, and that your Spirit would bring to mind today and throughout this week all of the things that we might be led to love and to worship Christ. And it's in his name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Like I said, I just have three short points to help us understand our passage this morning. And the first one is this, such mean estate. You know, the light and joy of Christmas time is hollow at best and even horrifying, friends, if we sever the link between Bethlehem and Golgotha. You know, what prompts this statement question of awe in the song, what child is this? Why lies he in such mean estate? Though it is not only that God has become man, but that he has come among us in this way, in this surprising poverty. 
And the first stanza gives us the glory we expect of the Son of God coming to earth. Angels greet him with anthems sweet. That's the kind of arrival we would expect for the king of the universe. The, heaven, the heavens are, are ablaze with song at this moment. But even here, there's a glimpse of the unexpected. The angels are singing to shepherds. That's odd. Angels, good, yes, but, but shepherds. There should be dignitaries. There should be um, uh, the kings and, and his court. They, there should be uh, people of regal and relig- religious uh, status uh, from the Jews who have purportedly waited so long for their Christ to come. Shepherds should have to take a number behind all of the important people that have come for the awaited Messiah the priests, the scribes, the Jerusalem elite. The unexpected is there in the first stanza, but it is the second where things get especially peculiar. Why does the newborn lie in such mean estate? In the very place where ox and donkey are feeding. Why? Why does he lay there? Why a stable? Why this place of poverty? Why not a palace? Why not a castle? Why not a fortress? Because our text says in verse 7 that he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Jesus came to earth as a suffering servant. The God of the cosmos, the creator of all things, the author of life and the sustainer of the universe came as a lowly servant. And who did he come to serve? He came to serve you. He came to serve me. And that brings us to our second point, nails and spears. Nails and spears. You know, the beauty in asking, in saying at Christmas, what child is this, is that it beckons us beyond lowly Bethlehem. It takes us beyond lowly Bethlehem, beyond the stable, to a life of even greater lowliness. And not just stagnant lowliness, increasing lowliness. Here at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. But why? Why did Jesus do this? Why this surprising appearance among us? Just to show that it can be done? Is this just a stunt? Why has he come? What is he here to accomplish? Christmas commemorates more than the birth of Jesus. It also presses us forward into his story beyond the lowliness of the manger to a life of lowly sacrifice with no place to lay his head and finally to the ultimate lowliness, an odious public execution condemned unjustly as a criminal and being found In human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Now, you might suspect I'm just up here souring the brightness and joy of Christmas time. Nails and spears shall pierce him through. Can't we just leave that for Good Friday? Can we just just leave that for later on in the year? Let us have our nice little cuddly baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger with no spears, no nails, no blood, no death, no thank you. 
but the Word made flesh. Coming without a cross in view, that's no good news. The light and joy of Christmas are hollow at best and even horrifying if we sever the link between Bethlehem and Golgotha. The song says, the cross he bore for me, for you. This time he comes not in judgment, but in mercy. He did this for you. Christmas is for you only because his life is for you. And his death is for you. And his triumphant resurrection on the other side of it is for you. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. That doesn't ruin Christmas. That gives the season its power. Amen? Third thing, come peasant king. Come peasant king to own him. Lowly shepherds were there. And when the lofty of his own people would not bow the knee, foreign dignitaries, they traversed far over field and fountain, over moor and mountain to honor him by laying down their treasures. Peasants come and kings. The weak, the strong, the wise, the foolish, the low, the despised, the red, yellow, black, and white, the poor, the rich, all kneel side by side with those powerfully and nobly born. The manger is for all sinners because the cross is for all sinners, you and me, peasants and kings. Verses 10 and 11 in our text, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this is all too much just for simple fact-finding, cool-headed analysis and calculated articulations. This type of stuff is the stuff of singing. This is the time to say, to declare in awe, in worship, what child is this? So what's your answer? Friends, like I said at the beginning, your answer to the question, what child is this, is the most important thing about you. Your answer to the question, what child is this, determines where you spend eternity. And no question Excuse me. No answer is an answer. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is Christ your Savior and your King? Have you asked Christ in your life? Have you repented of your sins? Have you become a Christian? I can't think of a better time than Christmas time than to get right with your holy God, admit you're a sinner, repent from your sins, and ask Christ into your life and become a Christian. Ten middle school boys accepted Christ into their life on Wednesday night. What will you do today? As the worship team comes to lead us in our final song, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the auditorium to give respect and privacy to people who need to do business with God this morning. I don't know every single one of you in here, friends. Maybe you're here this morning for the first time. Maybe you're here because you were drugged here by a family member. Maybe you've been coming here for a long time, or maybe you just stumbled in here because you're just plumb out of answers. I don't know your situation. 
but I do know the truth of the Bible. And that is that every person who has ever lived is a sinner in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. Because of sin, our relationship with God was broken. And the only way that that relationship can be fixed is through faith and trust in Christ's work on the cross. If you're here this morning and you don't know where you will spend eternity, whenever eternity comes to you, it could be today, it could be in 70 years or somewhere in the middle. Whenever you enter into the next life, if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your eternal destination is placed in heaven because of Christ's work on the cross for you and your faith alone in him, then I invite you to change that this morning. To know for sure. To be secure in the work of Christ on the cross for you. Does it matter who you are? Does it matter your background? Does it matter your last name? How much money you have in the bank? What you do for a job? Whose child you are? Or, 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 or anything about you? If you're here this morning and that's you, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. I'm not going to ask you to take part in a six-week class or to be sprinkled with holy water, to meet with a priest, none of that. I'm just going to ask you to get right with your creator this morning. And I'm going to give an example prayer. And there's no, nothing special about the prayer I give, but you need to think these thoughts toward God in faith and be sincere. Romans 10, 9, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, and you will be saved. If you're here this morning and you want to become a Christian and you want to get right with God and you want to have your sins forgiven and you want to have your eternal destination switched from hell to heaven because of your faith in Christ alone, just quietly to yourself, repeat after me, in your heart, and think these thoughts toward God. Pray this prayer toward God. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. God, please save me. Father, forgive me of my sins. God, make me a child Thank you for making a place in heaven for me. If you said that prayer, again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer, I'd love to meet you over here by the lamp on my left, your right after service, and I would like to celebrate with you and pray for you as you start this new journey as a Christian. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and the worship team will lead us in our last song. But let, let us not lose this spirit. Spirit of reconciliation. Spirit of conviction. Spirit of open hearts to God. And see what he has for us. Father, thank you so much for this time with my friends. Thank you for the blessing of being able to watch the kids sing. Thank you for every single soul here. And God, I would ask you that if there's anyone here right now that has not gotten right with you, that has not 
had their sins forgiven, that has not placed their faith in you. Father, that you would right now have your Holy Spirit work in their heart and draw them close to yourself, that they may experience true hope, true joy, true purpose in life that only you bring. Father, we love you. We're thankful for times like these to gather together to sing, to fellowship, to, to, to laugh, and to sit under the preaching of your word. Father, bless the rest of this day as we go our, our, our different ways. In Jesus' name I pray. All God's people said, amen. Would you stand and let's sing loud as we close our service together. We pray you were blessed and encouraged by this week's message. You can join us in person or online every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. or 10 a.m. Have questions about what it means to know and follow Jesus? Simply email todd at ankenyfree.church. Thanks for listening.